Nothing you can do to get Him to love you anymore. That's a wonderful. What a great God. 1 Thessalonians chapter number 2 in our Bibles tonight. 1 Thessalonians chapter number 2. And uh, we're going to continue our series. And actually, we're going to continue the message we started last week. Last week, we looked at ministry. And uh, we looked at it from this passage. This is really uh, Paul writing to the church of Thessalonica. And kind of, in a sense, you could say, being uh, defending himself just a little bit. Possibly he was being challenged by the worldly influence of the day. And uh, people were talking bad about him, you could maybe say. And uh, he talks concerning his ministry to this church at Thessalonica. And last week we looked at verses 1 through uh, 6. And um, we looked at a message uh, about ministry. And uh, we gave you the, the knots. We said ministry is not in vain. In verse 1 of 1 Thessalonians 2, our interest in unto you was not in vain. And uh, we said that the word of God does not return void. At times we feel like ministry is in vain, uh, but when we're doing things for the Lord, He takes it and He uses it. Secondly, we said ministry is not easy. Verse 2, He talked about how they were uh, treated at Philippi, and we know they were put in prison there at Philippi. And uh, we talked about ministry not being easy. Then we said, number three, ministry is not without questioning. Verse 3, our exhortation was not of deceit, uncleanness, or in guile. And Paul did we could to help them to recognize that his ministry, though some may have questioned it, there was no deceit. It was not mixed with error. It was pure, free from uncleanness, and some of the religions of the day were not. And uh, no guile. There were no underhanded methods. He wasn't trying to come in the back door. And uh, he said, hey, it was pure and right. And then we said, number four, ministry is not without accountability. And uh, he said, hey, verse four, the end of verse four, not as pleasing men, but God, which trieth our hearts. And um, the actual verse five, the latter part of that, God is witness. And so we gave you four knots regarding ministry. And uh, now tonight, we're going to give you uh, four is's. All right, is's, how's that? Is that a word for is? Plural of is, is's. Anyway, we're going to give you four characteristics of what ministry is. And so follow along as I read verse six through, or verse seven through 12, and then we'll have prayer, and then we'll jump in here tonight. Verse seven, but we were gentle among you, even as a nurse cherisheth her children. So being affectionately desirous of you, we were willing to have imparted unto you not the gospel of God only, but also our own souls, because you were dear unto us. For ye remember, brethren, our labor and travail, for laboring night and day, because we would not be chargeable unto any of you, we preached unto you the gospel of God. Ye are witnesses, and God also, how holily and justly and unblameably we behaved ourselves among you that believe. As ye know, how we exhorted and comforted and charged every one of you as a father doth his children, that ye would walk worthy of God who hath called you unto his kingdom and glory. Lord, we ask tonight that you would meet with us again. Thank you for meeting with us this morning in Sunday school and in the morning service, our prayer time. And now, Lord, would you do it again? Thank you for the music and the encouragement of being with your people. And now, Lord, would you draw us to yourself as we look at these few verses here tonight 
And then, Lord, as we thank you for what you did for us on the cross, we love you in Jesus' name. Amen. Number one, I want you to see this. Ministry is a warm welcome. Ministry is a warm welcome. In verse number seven, he says, But we were gentle among you as a nurse cherisheth her children. And then he uses the word in verse eight, being affectionately desirous of you. Notice words, the word gentle means to be kind to someone, but can include beyond kindness, acceptance, respect, patience, tenderness. What's he trying to do is he's trying to communicate to this church, hey, we want you to know that we love you. We want you to know that we care for you. He didn't come to take advantage of the church. He came to serve the church with kindness. The idea of a nurse cherishing children. Uh, To me, this is a picture, an illustration of really the highest form of love when you think concerning a mother nursing or taking care of a child. And um, the word affectionate really has to do with passionately and earnestly uh, longing for someone, to help someone. And when you link that with a mother's love, again, uh, uh, what you're looking at is a very high form of love and concern that he had for this church. You heard the saying, and it's true. People don't care how much you know until they know how much you care. And when we think about ministry... Ministry is really allowing the Lord that lives in us, Christ in you, the hope of glory, to love others through you. Some people are easier humanly to love than others. But God so loved the world that He gave His only begotten Son. God loves everyone. And uh, Paul was willing to sacrifice. Why? Because He cared. When you think about this, Jesus summed the commandments. Love the Lord thy God with all thy heart, soul, mind. The second is right there with it. What is it? It's to love thy neighbor as thyself. And really, they're kind of linked. If I'm not loving God with all my heart, soul, mind, I'm going to have a hard time loving my neighbor as myself. Again, why? Because I need his divine enablement to help me to love as he would in an unconditional love, a sacrificial love. Sometimes our love is conditional, right? You do this for me, and I'll do that for you. I had you over, it's your turn to have me over, and I ain't having you back over until you have me over. Wait a minute. Is that really love, or is that playing games with people, you see? Love gives without expecting anything in return. Uh, uh, Jesus said, By this shall all men know that ye are my disciples, if ye have love one to another. Uh, 1 Corinthians 13, you know the, the chapter there. It's, it starts out very powerful. 1 Corinthians 13, Though I speak with the tongues of men and angels, man, I can articulate and I can communicate, 1 Corinthians 13, right? With the tongue of men and angels and have not charity, I'm become a sounding brass or a tinkling cymbal. Nothing. Verse 2, Though I give the, have the gift of prophecy and understand all mysteries and all knowledge, and I have faith that could remove mountains. Hey, do you know what? You can believe God no matter what and not still and, and, and not allow Him to love other people through you. 
You see, if I don't have charity, it profits nothing. And then we think about all that you could give. I bestow my goods to feed the poor. I give my body to be burned. And I have not charity. It profiteth me nothing. So when we think concerning ministry, and obviously God has called all of us to ministry, right? He's called all of us to reach, teach, and minister to people. We've got to recognize that that is a warm, loving welcome. I read uh, an article here. When Whitcliffe translator Doug Meelan and his wife moved into a village in Brazil, he was referred to simply as initially as the white man. The term was by no means complimentary since other white men had exploited them, burned their homes, and robbed them of their lands. But after the Milans learned the, their language, the Felino language, and began to help the people with medicine, and in other ways, they began calling Doug the respectable white man. When the Milans began adapting the customs of the people, the Felino gave them greater acceptance and spoke of Doug as the white Indian. Then one day, as Doug was washing the dirty, blood-caked foot of an injured boy, he overheard a bystander say to another, Who ever heard of a white man washing an Indian's foot before? Certainly, this man is from God. From that day on, whenever Doug would go into an Indian home, it would be announced, Here comes the man God sent us. When you think about that, That's a powerful illustration. Why? Because when I communicate the love to other people, that doesn't come natural. And they see something divine about this. The man that God sent us. Ministry is a warm welcome. Number two, ministry is a hard work. Verse 9. For ye remember, brethren, our labor and travail. For laboring night and day, because we would not be chargeable unto any of you, we preached unto you the gospel of God. Labor emphasizes the difficulty of the job. Travail describes the effort or the struggle in doing the task. You've got both captured here. It was a big, enormous, tough job. And the travail was the labor or the struggle or the effort into doing that. And we know the Apostle Paul was a tent maker. He didn't want to be a burden to this church. And he would labor night and day. He would pay his own way to not burden this church. And when you think about hard work, you know, life is challenging no matter what. Ministering to the, meet the needs of the of others is hard work. And my mind went to uh, yesterday, uh, I thought about this prior, and Stephen highlighted this in our challenge for outreach. I thought of Second Corinthians chapter number uh, 11, where the Apostle Paul talks about his ministry. And people have the wrong impression of ministry. They think it's all glitz and glamour and glory, right? Um, I am, verse 23 of 2 Corinthians 11, Paul says this, I am more in labors, more abundant, in stripes above measure, in prisons more frequent, in deaths oft. Of the Jews, five times received I forty stripes, save one. Thrice was I beaten with rods. How many times have you been beaten with rods? You say, well, when I was a kid, 
My mom and dad, they took it to me hard. We ain't talking about that. You probably needed it, just like I needed it. And uh, you probably they probably missed a few too. You know what I'm saying? Now that the kids are older, um, you know, periodically they will share with me their strategies uh, for padding certain places prior to coming in. I, I shouldn't talk about it because there's still some kids here that might get some ideas. In any event, let's stay with the text here, right? Uh, uh, thrice was I beaten, right? I, thrice I suffered shipwreck. A night and a day I've been in the deep, in journeyings often, in perils in water, robbers and perils by mine own countrymen. What's he saying? He's saying, hey, ministry is hard work. Verse 27, in weariness and painfulness and watchings often, in hunger and thirst and fastings often, in cold and nakedness. By the way, uh, just so you know, at some point I I need to get the mind of the Lord on uh, adding some fasting to our schedule here as a church. You say, why? When you read that passage there, I think I know it's in the Gospel of Matthew. When you pray, it's assumption you're going to pray. We, we do pray. When you give, there's an assumption. And it says when you fast. I believe that God wants us as a church to fast and pray for certain things. We have challenges in our, in our day. And uh, so pray for wisdom. Normally what we've done in the past is we have... Um, uh, fasted after dinner on Tuesday until after the church service on Wednesday. And those that can, and some people even take one meal. Uh, but we, uh, we will do that. We have revival meetings in April coming up, and we will do that prior to those meetings. Um, but God hears and answers our prayer. And there's something about fasting where we have given up certain things that we think we need, and we've focused on something we want to see God do. Um, in any event, here's, here's his biography. Uh, I think concerning uh, the ministry of the disciples, you know, almost all of them were martyred. They were martyred for the Lord Jesus Christ. You see, Paul said to the church at Thessalonica, Hey, I was willing to work hard for the cause of Jesus Christ. And we ought to as well recognize that ministry... It's not just a warm welcome, it's a hard work. Number three, I want you to see this. Ministry, number three, is a consistent walk. It is a consistent walk. Look at verse number 10. He said, ye are witnesses, and God also, so God is my witness. Can you say that? We think about our example, our testimony, our walk with the Lord. Hey, you and God are witnesses of our consistent walk. You see, we just see the outside. God sees the heart. God knows the motive. You know, sometimes we can do a good thing with the wrong motive. God knows the motive. But he says, hey, ye are witnesses, and God also how holy and justly and unblameably we behaved ourselves among you that Believe Holy has to do with a holy manner. We think about that. Holiness is about being set apart to God and to his work. You know, we think about this matter of separation, and people don't like to talk about separation. Of course, it's in the Bible, come out from among them and be separate. But the thing that helped me about separation is when I recognize I'm separated unto God from the world. It's not just that I'm, you're bad and you're bad and you're bad. It's 
I love you, God, and this thing doesn't help me in my love for you. This thing hinders me, therefore I don't want that, I want you. You see, um, justly, the idea of walking uprightly or how they did what was right. And so they tried to do what God wanted them to do in the right way. And then he used the term, the, the uh, term uh, unblameably, uh, their reputation before people. They were examples. Paul didn't say, do as I say, not as I do. And it's important that we recognize that if our life doesn't match up with our lips, we're going to have a problem impacting people. Our example. Hey, I grew up in a home where my mom and dad said that you need to read the Bible. But you know what impacted me more than them saying it is when I would wake up and see them reading their Bible. Now, my dad worked a crazy kind of shift, but I knew where he was on Sunday mornings. He kept his devotional books in an old-fashioned lunchbox. I mean, the old-fashioned little lunchbox he'd bring in there was his little devotional. But I knew same time, same place, there he would be. And I see my mom read her Bible. And you know what? Telling someone to read it and them seeing you read it reemphasizes the fact that they ought to read it and they ought to walk with the Lord. You want your children to walk with God, then let them see you walk with God. You want them to pray, let them see you pray. You want them to be a soul winner, then you be a soul winner. You see, uh, uh, you you want to see them uh, live a holy, separated life, then you say, hey, I'm not going to do this because this doesn't help me spiritually. You see, our walk is so important. And Paul said to this church, when I came... Uh, you know that we had a consistent walk. I'm not going to take time because of the Lord's Supper tonight to go to the passage of Scripture. I might read uh, one verse. In Genesis chapter number 19, we read the story of Lot. And Lot enters Sodom and Gomorrah. And you know the story. God wants to kill. Uh, God wants to go in and destroy the city. It was just, it was just wicked. And uh, the angels come in there, and they kind of tell Lot what the deal is. And um, <clears throat> the angels uh, protect Lot. And they say, look, Genesis nineteen 13, we're going to destroy this place because the cry of them is waxing great before the face of the Lord, and the Lord hath sent us to destroy it. By the way, uh, my spirit, God says, will not always strive with man. You've got Sodom and Gomorrah. You've got the flood. You've got the Tower of Babel. Be not deceived. God is not mocked. When a man sows, he'll reap. And at some point, God's mercy will be replaced by God's judgment. And those in America today that think they're getting away with mocking God will face the wrath of God. And they'll wish they hadn't mocked God. In any event, Lot goes out into the city because he recognizes they're going to destroy Verse 14 of Genesis 19, And Lot went out and spake unto his sons-in-law, which married his daughters, and said, Up, get you out of this place, for the Lord will destroy this city. But he seemed as one that mocked unto his sons-in-law. We know Lot's wife was turned a pillar of salt. And you think about the ministry that he did not have in Sodom and Gomorrah. And when he goes out to say, hey, the city's going to be judged, they mock him. Why? Because his lips were not backed up by his life, and he had no impact, and they died, obviously, when God judged 
uh, the city there. Ministry is a consistent walk. Um, I think concerning what God said of, to Satan of Job. Have you considered my servant Job? There's a man that had a consistent walk with God. That God said, hey devil, why don't you try him? And you know what? Because of his consistent walk with God, we today in 2023 are blessed and encouraged and strengthened when we read his story in the book of Job. What? I wonder what God would say of us if the devil came to God. Would he say of us, hey, have you considered my servant and put our name there? And you think, well, I have mixed feelings about that. I do too. <laughs> It'd be awesome for God to say to the devil, have you considered my servant Moss in there? But when I look at what Job went through, I'm thinking, whoa, there's a part of me that's like, I'm not sure about this, right? Um, consistent walk. A warm welcome, a hard work, a consistent walk. And lastly, let me show you this. Ministry, 1 Thessalonians chapter 2 and verse number 11 and 12. Ministry is an encouraging word. As ye know, verse 11, how we exhorted and comforted and charged every one of you as a father doth his children, that ye would walk worthy of God who hath called you unto his kingdom and his glory. Do you know the word exhorted, we exhorted, is the same word used for the Holy Spirit. One called alongside to help. And the Apostle Paul is saying to this church, hey, we exhorted, we came alongside to encourage you. To comfort, the word means to encourage or console. Same word was used in John 11 when Lazarus died to comfort the family. Hey, what did we do as a father in a natural, normal family situation? The father is supposed to care for and encourage his children. The scripture says, fathers provoke not your children to wrath. There are many ways that we can provoke our children, but we're not supposed to provoke them. We're supposed to encourage them and believe in them and believe God for them. And he's using this illustration saying, hey, as a father in a normal situation seeks to build and encourage and help his children to be what God wants them to be, that's what we are doing to help you along. We think about encouraging words. We all need encouraging words. It's so easy for us to focus on the negative. It's so easy for us to focus on what didn't get done. You know, the wife burns the dinner and you say, hey, this dinner's burnt. She knows it already. You don't think she doesn't know it? She knows it already. But when the hundred times it's not burnt and it tastes delicious... We don't say anything. We ought to say, hey, thank you, right? We ought to be positive. We ought to be encouraging one another. And we ought to be doing that in the church. And really, specifically, we're encouraging to walk worthy of God. To live to please God. Do you know I tell people this? My goal, job, whatever, as a pastor is to help encourage and help you 
to have as close of a relationship with God as you possibly can. So that God says to you, well done, thou good and faithful servant. And boy, sometimes it takes uh, positive, encouraging, faith-filled words, right? Sometimes you have to speak the truth in love. And you have to tell folks what they don't want to hear. And you have to wave the flag and say, look, you're driving your car and you are about to drive your car over a cliff. you got to stop. And sometimes I've seen people do this in 30-something years of ministry. They'll drive right over you in order to drive over the cliff. And, of course, as a pastor, you're there and you don't say, I told you so. You say, come on, let's try to love you and try to help you and try to help you get back on track. People need encouraging words. Ministry is about encouraging people to be all that God wants them to be, to have as close a relationship as they possibly can with God, so that that day when they see Him, they say, He says, Well done, thou good and faithful servant. Do you know every one of us is on God's team? We're ambassadors together with Him. And as we think about what we're here to do, it's really we're here to do ministry, to reach people with the gospel. That might mean what? We've got to give them a warm welcome. It might mean we got to call them and when they say they'll be here. If I had a dollar for every person that told me they were coming to church, I'd be a millionaire. I mean, I hear it on a regular, I'm be, you might just see me on Sunday. Okay, good, I hope to. Uh, but you know what? It's work. Hey, it might mean that we have to uh, recognize that uh, ministry is going to flow from a consistent walk with God. And we've got to say, hey, God, could you use me? to help be an encouragement to others because I am an ambassador. I am working together with you to help people to see their need to walk with God. Aren't you glad that somebody, somebody ministered to you? Somebody was patient with you. Somebody prayed for you. Someone allowed you maybe to give them a hard time until you recognized, I need Jesus. We have opportunity to be a minister of the Lord Jesus.